Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to turn to your copy of the Word of God, to the Old Testament passage of Psalms. The Old Testament book of Psalms, Psalm 90. We're continuing with our series of the life and ministry of Moses. And now on our special Thanksgiving edition of the Riverview Baptist Church, we're having a very special message within this series of the life and ministry of Moses. And wouldn't it be just like the Lord to set it up for a good Thanksgiving message And I don't even have to miss a series or mess it up or go outside. It's already made for us within the series that we had planned. So turn with me, if you don't mind, to Psalm 90. Now with this, I have brought up these jars. And we'll show it to you later who are looking online. But we have these jars up here. And they've been sitting in my office. Some of you know a little bit about them. Some of you have never seen them before. And I would love to take the time to explain to you through this psalm in Psalm 90 (laughs) what these jars are. So if you don't mind taking your copy of the Word of God and look with me in Psalm 90. Psalm 90 in verse number 1. Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Thou turnest man to destruction, and sayest, Return, ye children of men. For a thousand years in thy sight are as but as yesterday when it is past, and as a watch in the night. Thou carriest them away as with a flood. They are as asleep. In the morning they are like grass which groweth up. In the morning it flourisheth and groweth up, and in the evening it is cut down and withereth. For we are consumed by thine anger, and thy wrath are we troubled. Thou hast set our iniquities before thee, our secret sins, in the light of thy countenance. For all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. The days of our years are threescore years and ten. And if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet is their strength labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off, and we fly away. Who knoweth the power of thine anger? Even according to thy fear, so is thy wrath. So teach us to number our days, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? And let it repent thee concerning thy servants. O satisfy us early with thy mercy, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad according to the days wherein thou hast afflicted us, and the years wherein we have seen evil. Let thy work appear unto thy servants, and thy glory unto their children. And let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us, and establish thou the work of our hands upon us. Yea, the work of our hands establish thou it. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the book of Psalm 
Psalm 90. And notice with me in verse number 2. Psalm 90 in verse number 2 where it talks about God from everlasting to everlasting. Thou art God. From everlasting to everlasting. Thou art God. And with this we're going to explain one of God's names which is found in the Bible. El Olim. For those of you who are spelling such things. E-L space O-L-A-M. El Olam, the everlasting God. The everlasting God. And with this, we can learn to trust the God of all time. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for the great privilege to be in your house today. To be here gathered with your people, with your word. And I'm asking that we would learn more about you. And because we learn more about you, that we would see ourselves and our lives for what they truly are. And that you would help us to redeem the time. That you would help us to number our days. That you would help us to apply them to wisdom. And again, I'm asking for your spirit tonight. That we could sense you. That we could see you. That you can get your own work accomplished. And draw us close to you. To establish the work that you have for us. Thank you, Lord, that we can trust you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now as we come to Psalm 90... Not only is this the oldest psalm, if you didn't know that, Psalm 90 is the oldest psalm. It is also one of the oldest pieces of scripture. At this time, they only had the book of Job, which was sort of uh, sent out. At this time, you had Genesis, Exodus, and Leviticus that was freshly penned. Even if it had been penned at this time. So at this time you just had the beginning of the Bible out. This is one of the oldest portions of scripture. Now we know that the book of Psalms is divided out into five different books. If you notice right before Psalm 90 it has a title. It says book number four. And that's because the Psalms are divided up into five different books. Each one of them correspond to the first five books of the Bible. This would be corresponding to the book of Numbers, the fourth division, which is the wilderness wanderings. Remember, they had just received, in the context where we're at, they just received the the curse at Kadesh Barnea, the judgment at Kadesh Barnea. And now the children of Israel are going to wander in the wilderness for 40 years, and all of those people who are 20 years old and upward They're going to die in the wilderness. And the new generation is going to go into the promised land. And so with this in mind. Knowing that you have a death sentence. Knowing that you have a certain amount of time that you have to live left. This psalm was written to carry that perspective, to carry about this, to remind them about how precious their time was and that God was overall. If you don't mind, there's a couple things I would like to bring to your attention as we cover this psalm. First of all, let's hit the everlasting God. The everlasting God. Now, one of the attributes of God is that he exists eternally. In verse number two, where it says from everlasting to everlasting, this carries the idea from eternity past to eternity future, God is God. One of his attributes is that God is everlasting. That means that he does not run out of batteries. He does not run out of gas. He does not get old. He does not retire. He does not die. 
He lives forever. In fact, he is outside of time. God exists eternally. There is never a point of time, never a point of history, never a point of eternity where God does not exist. We know that some people ask the question, because we're in the time frame of time, where did God begin? And our answer is that God did not begin. Now that's hard for us to understand because we had a beginning and we have an end. But because God is outside of time, in fact he created time, there was no beginning and there was no end with God. That's a foreign concept. It's something that will make your brain hurt if you think about it long enough. But that's because we are in a different dimension than God. God is eternal. In fact, notice with me a couple of passages that talk about God being self-existent eternally. That he is always eternal. Turn with me to Psalm 23. Just a couple Psalms over. Psalm 23. And notice with me in verse number 1. Psalm 23 and verse 1. Now we're coming back to Psalm 90. But notice in Psalm 93. Psalm 93. Psalm 93. And notice with me in Psalm 93. And notice with me in verses 1 and 2. Psalm 93 verses 1 and 2. The Lord reigneth. He is clothed with majesty. The Lord is clothed with strength. Wherewith he hath girded himself, the world also is established, and it cannot be moved. Thy throne is everlasting of old. Thou art from everlasting. What we see here is that God is everlastingly in charge. He is always in charge. He is never going to get voted out of office. He is never going to get replaced. God is always in charge. That's one of the reasons why we can trust him and depend upon him because he is firmly established. He is not going anywhere. He's always in charge. In fact, turn with me to the book of Isaiah 26. Isaiah 26. And let me show you another psalm that would encourage you because of his everlastingness. Notice with me in Psalm 26. Or it's Isaiah 26. Isaiah 26. Isaiah 26. And notice with me in verse number 1. Isaiah 26. So if you're in Psalm, Psalm, Proverbs, Song of Solomon, or Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Isaiah. Isaiah 26. And notice with me in verse number 1. Isaiah 26 and verse 1. In that day shall this song be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. Salvation will God appoint for walls and bulwarks. Open ye the gates that the righteous nation which keepeth the truth may enter in. Thou will keep him in perfect peace. Whose mind is stayed upon thee. Because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever. For in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. If you don't have verse 3 marked, mark that. You need to go to this verse often. Notice what it says. Thou will keep him in perfect peace. That word perfect carries the idea to be complete or whole. You will be in perfect peace. Notice this, the qualifier, whose mind is stayed on thee. So if you keep your mind and thoughts on God, then God will keep you in peace. 
when you don't keep your mind on God, then you're no longer in perfect peace. But notice this. How? how, Why can I keep my mind on God? Notice this. Because he trusteth in thee. You know why you can keep your mind on God? Because you trust him. God is a trustworthy God. Notice in verse 4. Why can we trust God? Trust ye in the Lord forever. Why? For in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. That means there's not a time where God doesn't eat his Wheaties and he becomes weak that day. There's never a time that God did not get enough sleep and he just doesn't feel like doing it. There is everlasting strength. You know what? That means you can't catch God on a bad day. You can't catch God on a grumpy day. You can't catch God when he's unmotivated. Everlasting strength. That means I could trust him no matter what's going on with me because he is everlasting. Again, verse number three, thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Why? Because he trusteth in thee. I can trust God and as long as I can trust God, I'll have perfect peace. My peace does not come from my circumstances. My peace comes from my God. Because of who God is. He is everlasting strength. I cannot ask too much of God where he says, I don't have enough strength to do that. I cannot ask so much of my God that I top out my questions of the day. Or my request of the day. I can always trust him because he is everlasting. He does not get old. He doesn't get feeble. So as we turn back to Psalm 90 and we study this psalm, we have to have the backdrop here of who God is. That God, one of his attributes is that he's from everlasting to everlasting. He is the everlasting God. So with this context, that God is still in charge and people can still trust in him even though they have a death sentence. And by the way, it is appointed unto man once to die. Every single one of us have an appointment with death. None of you are going to live forever in your bodies. None of you are going to stay on this earth for a thousand years in your body. You understand? You are limited in the time that you have. When you receive a death sentence, your mind starts to go a little bit more realizing how frail your life is. You understand, maybe do this with me if you don't mind. On a piece of paper, maybe a bulletin, maybe a note, I want you to draw a line. And I want you to draw a line segment. For those of you taking geometry, we got to be specific. A line segment. That means there's a beginning of the line and there's an ending of the line. And I want you to imagine that this line is your time line. And that The very beginning of the line is when you were born. And at the very end of the line is where you die. Okay? Now I want you, if you don't mind, to imagine, to put an X, where you think you are on that timeline. Now some of you may put it very early on that timeline. Some of you may put it very at the very end. Some of you may put it in the middle. 
And some of you who are wishing hard put it at the very beginning. But you are somewhere on that timeline. Now anything that comes to the left of the line doesn't matter. There's nothing you can do about that. That is time that is past. All you have is from that X to the end of the line. That is all you have left. You said, well, this isn't very encouraging. Yes, but you don't look at your life. You look at God who is everlasting strength and you trust him. Now, this is the idea of this psalm. That they are realizing, I have just a small amount of time left. I have less time today than what I had yesterday on this earth. And the idea of this psalm is what are you going to do with that time left? You know, when God told the children of Israel that they had, that they were going to be cursed and that those who were 20 years and older were not going to make it to the promised land, he did not want them to say, well, fine, I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to sit here and have a fit. And I'm going to... He still wanted them to do something with their life. He still had some expectations. May I say he still wanted to do some things with them with the time that they had remaining. And God wants you to use the time that you have. You can't do anything about yesterday and you can't do anything about last year. But you could do something with this point forward. With that context in mind, let's notice some things from Psalm 90. The next thing I want to show you is the ever-seeing God. The ever-seeing God. Notice with me in verse number 1. Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth. Or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world. Even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Again, this phrase carries the idea that before eternity future and then an eternity past, God was God from eternity past to eternity future. God has always existed. Before there was light, God's the one who spoke the light. God is the one who sees the end from the beginning. He controls it all. Now, another attribute of God is not only is God everlasting, but another one of God's attributes is that he is omnipotent. Present. The word omni means all. Present means present tense. So omnipresent means that God is ever present. He is all present. Now we usually apply that with the idea that God is everywhere at once. He's not stuck in one location. He is everywhere at once. But omnipresent also carries the idea that he is all time at once. What do I mean by that? Because God created time, he is outside of time. In fact, all of time could be fit in the palm of his hand. That's how big God is. And so God is outside of time. And because of that, God has no future and God has no past. When we say omnipresent, that also means God is all time at once. That means the same time as he's watching the children of Israel cross the Red Sea, he is also watching this service right now in present tense. The same time as he's watching this service, he is also watching the millennial kingdom unfold. He is all time at once. There is no past and there is no future with God. Now for us, we're stuck in time. We can think about the past. We can concentrate on the future. But for God, he is 
omnipresent. He is every time at once. He is always in present tense. There is no future. There is no past with God. Now again, that's a foreign concept, but this is important to understand. We're trusting a God who sees everything. Notice verse 3. Thou turnest man to destruction and sayest, Return, ye children of men. Now notice in verse 4. For a thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday when it is past, and as a watch in the night. Now remember, Moses is with these folks. They don't have all the Bible to refer to. And he is writing from man's perspective. Now God is all present at once, but we have a hard time understanding that. I mean, it's hard to explain it. So he's trying to explain a concept in man's eyes. So in a way that we can understand. And so he uses a poetical language to try to get across this point. And he says, For a thousand years in thy sight are but yesterday when it is past, as a watch in the night. In the night there are four watches. And they would take a watch and then sleep for the rest of the night. And so here it's saying in man's perspective, looking at God and as God concerns time, that a thousand years can go by to God or for us, and then for God, it's like a blink of an eye. Well, again, from that perspective, we're stuck in time. He is not. And it's trying to give this illustration to it that for God, he's, he's outside of time. He sees everything. That it's a blink of an eye. You know what that means? That means our life, we're not from everlasting to everlasting. Us inside of these temporal bodies is just for a moment. Time is precious to us because we have so few time left. Notice in verse 5. Thou carriest them away as with a flood. They are like a sleep. Notice this. You know what our life is according to our perspective compared to God? It's like a sleep. Like you ever had a good dream and then you wake up and it's gone? That's what our life is like compared to God who is from everlasting to everlasting. It's but like a sleep. It's there. It's gone. It says, in the morning they are like grass which groweth up. And in the morning it flourisheth and groweth. In the evening it is cut down and withered. So here it's given this illustration like your lawns. Your lawn, you look at the next morning. Hey, it's grown up. You mow it. It's gone. That's it. Our life is but a vapor, the Bible says. It's just like grass. It's there and it's gone. Verse number 7, for we are consumed in thy anger and thy wrath we are troubled. Here it's saying, you know what, we messed up and we know that we're in trouble. We, we're terrified by it. Verse number 8, thou hast set our iniquities before us, our secret sins in the light of thy countenance. Here it's saying, we're guilty God, we have messed up. We're deserving of this punishment. We're deserving of this time. We know that because of our sin that we don't have a lot of time. Now again, it's in the context of the children of Israel after they received the sentence at Kadesh Barnea. Verse number 9. For all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. You know, when you tell history... We talked about George Washington. You know what George Washington gets? He gets a paragraph or a report. A couple pages. Maybe even a book. But then it's gone. That's all we have of George Washington's life. You name any historical person. It becomes like a tale, a story, a narrative. That's all you have is someone's life. If they're famous, they get a couple paragraphs. Our life is... I could tell that was told. A story I once knew of a person. 
and then it's over. That's what our life, again, it's given a comparison that our life is short and the time that we have is precious. Verse number 10, and the days of our years are three score years. Now in the Bible or in English, the score is 20. So three score years plus 10 is going to be 3 times 20, which is 60, plus 10, which is 70. So if someone lives 70 years old, and perhaps by the reason of strength they had 4 score years, 4 times 20, 80 years, someone lived 70 to 80 years, a life expectancy, that's it. Even if they live to the fullness, guess what their life is going to consist of? Their strength, labor, and sorrow. For it is soon cut off, and we fly away. All we have is a little time. And during our time, none of us are promised a happy, comfortable life. We're going to have a life like everyone else does, full of heartbreak and sorrow. You're going to have good days and you're going to have bad days. And you can't let your bad days dominate you. Notice as it goes on. Who knoweth the power of thy anger? Even according to thy fear, so is thy wrath. There's just a very short time that we have. So we could see this ever seeing God, this God who sees the end from the beginning, and he sees our life that it is short. And as we look up to God, we need to realize that we don't have forever in our bodies. We have a short time. So because of that, let's see this, the effects of time upon us. The effects of time upon us. What is our response because of this? Because we know that time is short. Notice in verse number 12. So teach us to number our days. That we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Now a life worth living is not in its length. Meaning that just because someone lives a long time. Doesn't mean it's a life worth living. What is our life made up, made up of? It's made up of days. If you could imagine uh, a child putting beads on a string. You know what that is? One bead, one bead, one bead. And if you put enough beads, you have a necklace. You know what our life consists of? Days. And if you string enough good days together, you have a good life to show for it. If you have a string full of bad days, then you have a bad life to show for it. Does that make sense? So the Bible says, because we know that our days are short, teach us to number our days, that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. Now up front, I have some jars that I've put in my office. And in these jars, there are three different colors. And so what I did is I took that number line and I calculated, I don't know how long I may have lived, it may be tonight and I have a stroke. But if I live to this four score years, I calculate it from how old I was when I started this and how many days approximately I thought I had left. And so in this middle jar represents how many days I have left to live. Now, we all like to look at our jar and hope that it's full, right? I hope I have a lot of days. Then what I do at the end of every day... I take one of those days and I put it either in the blue jar or the red jar. Now, <laughs> these now represent here 
my good days. So a day that I used wisely. Now you say, what does it mean wisely? We're going to read the rest of this text and you can apply it for yourself. But if I used my day wisely, then I put it in the blue jar. And if I wasted my day, I didn't use it for the Lord. Maybe I had a bad attitude. Maybe I refused to be obedient to, you know, got in the flesh. We do that. I put it in the red jar. Now I've done this for a couple of years now. And so I've got some beads in there. And I used to have people that would come in my office and check to see how many bad days that I have left. But you understand the life that I have worth living is the days that I string together. Am I making the most out of the days God gave me? Now I'm, I've already asked my wife that if I ever die, I hope to be raptured out, but if I ever die at the funeral, I want this displayed. And they could have a demonstration, was my life worth it by the amount of beads in the blue jar versus the red jar? You say, well, this is a pretty physical illustration. It is. Why? The Bible says in verse 12, so teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. You understand, someone can get to the place where they say, I've got so much time left. And when you think you have a lot left, it's easier to waste it. But if you have very few, you can't waste any of it. The same is true of money. If you think you've got a lot of money, it's easy to waste it. Amen. But if you have very few money, you're, you're going to be more wise about how you use it. So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. You know, the Bible has this same reference, the same idea in the New Testament. Hold your finger here and turn with me to the book of Ephesians. I got that one right. Ephesians. <laughs> if you don't mind, the book of Ephesians, chapter number five. Ephesians, chapter number five. And again, giving the same idea that we don't have that much time left, what does the Bible say? Notice with me in verse, uh, chapter number five, verse number 15. See then that ye walk circumspectly. This carries the idea of carefully or, or, or on purpose. See that we walk, that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but wise. Now notice as it ties this next verse in, redeeming the time because the days are evil. The word redeem carries to buy back, to purchase it, to make the most out of it. The Bible says, don't be like the fools. Don't be unwise, but use our, our days circumspectly or on purpose, diligently, with some forethought. Why? Redeem the time. Why? Because the days are evil. Meaning that death is working against us. You are slowly dying whether you realize it or not. Use the time that you have wisely. Use the time that you have wisely. Teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. Alright? So, turning back to Psalm 90... How should we respond to the God of time? Knowing that God has all time, knowing that God sees it all, knowing that our days are short and the life worth living is not how many days you have. We all know people who've lived a while, 
But they've wasted their life. They've wasted their days. And it is not a life worth having. And there's people who live very short. Look at David Brainerd, who died before age 30, but was a great missionary to the Indians uh, before our nation was even a country. And to read the journal, the diary of David Brainerd, and to see this young man in his prayer life and his walk, he had a life worth living even though it had a short amount of days. Borden of Yale. If you have never heard the story of Borden of Yale, to look at him. He died on the way to the mission field. But yet he had a life worth living even though it was short because he used his time wisely. He gave up an entire fortune to become a missionary. Again, go read these books and find them out. Just because you live a long time doesn't mean it's a life worth living. What makes a life worth living? What do you do with the days that you have? redeeming the time. Teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. So how should we respond? How should we use our days widely? What are we looking for? Verse number 14 to start off with. Oh, satisfy us early with thy mercy that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. What does this mean? What does this deal with? Well, remember, we're looking to the Lord He will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon thee. What are we talking about? Being glad and rejoicing all of our days? Trusting for God to satisfy us. What makes a day worth living? Because God's on the throne. Because I trust him. The circumstances do not determine whether I have a good day or not. God determines whether I have a good day. If my mind is stayed on Him. I can have the worst day outside my body. Meaning outside the circumstances. But have a great day because I trusted God to carry me through every little bit of it. Keep your mind on Him. Trust God to satisfy. Again verse number 14. Oh satisfy He's talking to God. Oh, satisfy us early with thy mercy. God is, gives us mercy and he can satisfy us by giving us that mercy that we may rejoice and be glad all of our days. Why is this a Thanksgiving message? Because we need to be thankful every day. What is the first step of backsliding? The Bible talks about in the book of Romans chapter 1. Unthankfulness. When you start to be unthankful, then you start to be not happy and not glad. Count your many blessings. Name them one by one. Count your many blessings and see what God has done. Let God satisfy you. So what if you don't have a red Lamborghini? God's still good and God's still right. So what if you're having some physical ailments? I know it hurts, but God's still on the throne. And God has mercy. Let God satisfy you. You know what a wasted day is? A day where I'm not satisfied. A day where I'm not happy that I'm alive. A day that I'm miserable because I refuse to put my trust in Him. And I'm not in perfect peace. So first of all, we understand, how do we respond? How do we make the most of our time? Let God satisfy Him. Look up at Him. He will keep us in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon Thee. Notice in verse 15. Make us glad. Again, He's referring to God. He's talking to God. God, you make us glad 
according to the days wherein thou has afflicted us and the years wherein we've seen evil. Now notice this. They have been under a death sentence. They are cursed and to wander in the wilderness and to die in the wilderness without going to the promised land. And yet, God can still make them glad even in that circumstance. Your circumstances do not determine your gladness, your joy, your peace. God does. I will keep them in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon thee. Keep your mind on him. Trust God to make us glad. Aren't you glad you don't have to work yourself up to be happy? Get that smile and try to get the, turn it up to put on a fake smile that everyone can see through. Remember, God can give us a peace that passeth all understanding. A peace that doesn't make sense. When our mind is stayed upon Him, it is up to God to make us glad. How can He make us glad when everything's falling apart? Because He's still on the throne. He will keep us in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon Thee because He trusteth in Him. Trust in Him. That our peace does not come from circumstances. They do not come from people. They do not come from programs. They don't come from games. They don't come from TV. They don't come from radio. They come from God. Where do you get your peace? Where do you get your gladness at? When you're having a bad day, what do you do to make it good? That's what you're trusting in. Do you go to God and say, God, I'm having a bad day. Can you help me? Do you think God would answer that prayer? You bet he will. God, help me to have... I'm miserable. Help me. I can't stop being miserable. Can God answer that prayer? Yes. Look towards him. Circumstances do not determine whether we have good days. God determines. Notice with me also 16 and 17. Let thy work... I know that's a four-letter word. Let thy work appear unto thy servants and thy glory unto their children. And let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us. And establish thou the work of our hands upon us. The work of our hands establish thou it. Notice this word work is used three times. What makes a day worth living? Doing what God has given us to do. Because God can make it last forever. We all know people who have jobs that make them miserable. And you know what's all said and done? That work is going to pass away. Kind of like housework. People don't like housework because you've got to do it the next day. And the next day. Dishes. You have to do them every day or they stack up. They don't go away. We lived in Arizona. And you would, because we lived in the desert, you had to dust twice a day or it would collect up. You know how tiring dust got? <laughs> I just forget it. I'm just not going to dust anymore. But you have to. You understand work doesn't go away. <laughs> but this isn't the work that it's talking about. It's doing the work for God. You say, well, that means I'm going to quit my job. No. God wants you to do his work at your work. He wants you to be a light. He wants you to be an encouragement. There are people at your work that I will never see that he wants you to influence, you to reach. You know why he's sending you to work? Because that's your mission field. You know why he's sending you to your school? For you to be a missionary. 
For you to tell people about the Lord. For you to say, look, my God is great. You know, teenagers, teenage girls. Why? Drama. He broke up with me. He didn't smile at me. He didn't look at me. He didn't do this and whatever else. My life is ruined because you wore the same dress I wore. And all the other stuff. Why can you be so happy when my life is miserable? Because God's still good. And God's still right. Don't you understand how bad work is? Do you see all the other drones here? And how they just mope up and lifeless? How can you be excited? Because God's still good. And God's still right. That's the work that will last. Your job is to reach other people from the Lord. Where you're at. God wants to establish your work every day. You said, but I'm not in the ministry. I, I don't get paid to serve the Lord. I don't get paid to serve the Lord either. That's a different discussion, whatever else. But you understand, we get to serve the Lord wherever you're at. The work that lasts is for you to be an influence to someone else. And every day you can do God's work. Every day you could influence someone. It doesn't mean that you're putting a gospel track in the same person's face day after day after day. But you're living Christ through you. And they're looking to see, is Christ real to you? Don't you understand how awful this year has been? Why can you still smile? Because God's still good. That makes a difference. That makes a difference. Many of you have heard me give the testimony of, uh, of the nurse that I had reached when I was, <coughs> um, before I was a pastor or anything, I was working in the hospitals and after military service, I worked in the retirement homes. Phoenix had uh, 250 different retirement homes throughout the Phoenix area. And my job was to go into each of the retirement homes in my section and to draw the blood from people. And let me tell you, at 2 o'clock in the morning, no one's happy. The patients are glad to see me, whatever. And there was a male nurse that, over the course of months, he would purposely see me show up at 2 o'clock in the morning, and he would ask, how are you doing? He would find me. How are you doing? Just so he could hear me say, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. And it would confuse him. How can someone be blessed and happy at 2 in the morning? It's just not right. What's wrong with you? And for months, he would purposely find me. How are you doing today? Well, I'm blessed. And it confused him. But he said, you've got something I don't. And he kept watching. Well, it came time where we witnessed to him. We invited him to uh, church services. We invited him to a special evangelistic meeting with an evangelist. And afterwards, he says, you know what? I think I need some help with my family. Can you... Um, Talk to me and my wife? Absolutely. So I set an appointment with me and my pastor. And we were going to meet with him later on. Well, I called my wife and said, pray. And a little bit later, he said, you know what? Cancel it. My wife's already packed up her bag. She says she's leaving me. There's no hope. Well, let us come anyways. And I called my wife and said, pray. Well, it was a dark and stormy night in Phoenix when we showed up. And his wife was hiding upstairs. But we gathered him. And finally, she got curious, came down. And we opened up the Bible and both of them bowed their head and accepted Christ as their savior. He later became <coughs> uh, working with the Roloff homes and um, was helping a men's home. And he would always start his testimony like this. 
It all began with someone at 2 o'clock in the morning who would say, I was blessed. 2 o'clock in the morning. What is that? Teach me to number my, our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. Even at 2 in the morning. Let me tell you, there are days I did not feel happy at 2 o'clock in the morning. But God was still on the throne. And I could keep looking at him. At two, God doesn't sleep. He's not on the same time zone as us. He could still be good at 2 o'clock in the morning. By the way, he could still be good to you at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Our joy and our peace does not come from our circumstances. They come from a God who's sitting on the throne. He will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon thee. Teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. So again, as a practical thing, what have I done in order to be an illustration? Now, for some reason, a lot of people don't want to do the jug. I offer to make them these jars and set them in their home. And I've even offered preachers to do so. And for some reason, people don't want to do this. But as an illustration, as a living illustration, I'm willing to try to do it. Now, by the way, you know what this does? It teaches me to number my days because I know that I'm going to have to put some bad days in there if I don't. And I'll have to explain that. You understand? This is part of that practical application for me. Am I using today wisely? Am I redeeming the time? And that my life when it's said and done could be represented physically. Did I use my days wisely? Now you may not go off and make some jars. But the application still remains. You only have a certain amount of days left. And by the way, we all have less than what we think. What are you doing with the days you have left? You can't do anything about the days previous. But what can you do with the days that you have left? You can make the life that you have from this point on count and matter. By day, by day, by day. Teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three oh eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three oh eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you. Mm-hmm.